0: Term. I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifray in the constellation of Castorberus. I hope the years are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a doctor, but I am. I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. There's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to Hello, start? everybody.
1: And welcome back to. That was was a very strange farting sound. I don't know if anybody else had that. Um, smooth start, Saxby. Hello, everybody. And welcome back. Welcome. Oh, this is a terrible start, but I'm going to roll with it. Hello, everybody. And welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. Um, the very final episode of um, Series 3. Um, Harry, how do you feel about that?
0: Is this really the last one of Series
1: 3? Last one of Series 3. It's gone quick, hasn't it?
0: Damn, it's been a, yeah, it's been a, it's been fast. Feels like You've... just yesterday that we were doing, Ro- no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we were really bad when we did Rose, but I was really bad when we did Rose.
1: It's nearly been a year. In August, it'll be in a year.
0: In August, it'll be a year since we did Rose. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So we almost got through the, like, so we got through three series of Doctor Who nearly four with our current recording schedule wow yeah um yeah that means we only have well that means like we have another year and like a half until we catch up and then what do we do
1: oh uh, yeah ooh spooky we'll have to wait and see um oh first thing apologies for my audio cuz i feel it's slightly echoey today um some context is i'm moving out of my flat so i'm literally in an empty room at the moment nothing but a bed and a few pillows i'm using to soundproof um so apologies if it is somewhat echoey i will try and fix that it does get better later in the episode when we get to the watch on segment but before we get to any of that harry i have lots of exciting dot2 news christopher Eccleston news riversong news dot2 series 13 news and a fun peter capaldi story as well Um so shall we get started
0: yeah it's the first time we've had a lot of news in a while
1: it is, it is. But let's start with something we haven't spoken about in a while, which is the Knife Doctor Audio Ventures, the second volume of Series 1. Um, Respond to all calls. They have had free cover reveals um, for the different stories that are involved in there. Now, I've sent you them in reverse order, unfortunately, so you're going to have to look at them, starting with Girl um, De- De- Destruction. What is what is this one?
0: The
1: Girl, De- Girl, what is it?
0: Girl Deconstructed. Oh, there you go.
1: Um, what do you think of these covers?
0: Uh, look at this first one. It's pretty cool. It's pretty simple. This is much simpler than the ones we've had. Yeah. But from what I can tell, if isn't the one which we heard the audio preview of it's a much more intimate sounding story? So perhaps this is reflective of that. Maybe it isn't Yeah. That's true, yeah. fast-paced, spectacle explosions. So it seems I,
1: to be more... Um, original DVD series as well with the Gallifrey text in the background as well, the sort of classic Doctor Who DVD covers we used to get for Christopher Eccleston
0: Oh yeah, I do like the Gallifrey symbols like, I like seeing them used in Doctor Who media because it's kind of things that are kind of you know int- you don't get them in any other kind of sci-fi, they are exclusively Doctor Who, similar yeah. to the uh, what do they call the language in Star Wars, you know the one
1: um in Star Wars or Star Trek?
0: In Star Wars. How in Star Wars they um nothing's written in English. It's all written in like that um font. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking have a look.
1: about. I know exactly what you're on about. Uh, Star Wars language. Uh English. <laughs> it's, um Yeah, I know, I know what you mean, but I can't remember it off the top of my head, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um
1: so cover number two. Um Fight, Fight Motif. Fight Motif? Fight Motif? I think it's a
0: Fright Motif.
1: Fright. Oh, yeah, Fright Motif. Sorry, I'm looking at slightly lower quality ones than you, I think.
0: I am um, also, so I'm sure to read the... I think it's an R. Fright Motif.
1: Yeah, you are right there. Um, This one has a nice little Paris backdrop, a nice extended cast on there as well. Um, I'm looking at the cast lists for all three of these, and I'm not recognising any names from previous Big Finish work, but then again... Um, we're not totally big finished nerds, but I like the look of this one. This one looks very interesting.
0: Yeah, I really like the whole red on white and that has snowy you aesthetic. I think that was very cool. It's just red and white are just two colors, which I really like. I think they go together really well.
1: Yeah. Have you noticed as well around the TARDIS there are musical notes? Oh, is
0: that what they are? I thought it was just yeah. snow.
1: Now, I was just having a little zoom. Yeah, there's musical notes. It's, I think it's meant to be. Oh, yeah, they smart. are. But
0: yeah. Oh, uh, motif, because yeah. the motif is uh, uh, musical. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <grade>.
1: yeah. <laughs> Only the best content here from Bigger on the Inside. And then um, the final one, probably the most interesting cover, or the most eye catching anyway, um, response to Old Girls Planet of the End. There is a. Okay, uh,
0: we've got, big... we got an alien dude in a suit, we've got a rabbit we got something that's uh, running. Looks like, a, is it a robot or another alien?
1: It looks like a little robot dude. And then there is a sort of, what looks like a golden pyramid or some sort of thing, something like that behind the chair.
0: Yeah, there's a uh, lot of... Christopher
1: Knife kept... Doctor.
0: Yeah, the Doctor isn't even the focal point of this one, which I think this is the first cover where the Doctor himself isn't the focal point.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, for Knife Doctor ones, it definitely is, yeah. Yeah, interesting,
0: interesting. I wonder what the deal is with this guy then.
1: I'm not sure, but I think I've seen his face appear in um, a like the whole box set cover. He's on there as well, so I would quite like an overarching villain. That would be quite fun.
0: Although I have noticed that kind of each of these respondable course cool stories are the different writers. So and these all seem like wildly different things. Um, I get the vibe that this is going to be a much more episodic um, collection that you try trying to use up more of a standalone thing.
1: Mm. Yeah, that was something I wasn't too keen on with that first box set. Is that they were all you couldn't really listen to one and then another one two days later. You sort of had to sort of binge listen to them all because they're we all very interconnected. Mm. But they were really good fun. Yeah. So, what? Did, what are you looking forward to these again? I sort of was ex- really yeah, excited for yeah. that first because box set. Yeah, I was excited for that first box set, but now it's like, oh, when these ones come out, I'll buy them. But I don't know if I'll listen to them right away like I did last time, sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Although I think what well, this set is promising—kind of three standalone stories with the Ninth Doctor—that's something I'm more excited for than a three-big three-part story, personally. Mm.
1: Yeah, I probably agree with you there. Um, We've got some more Christopher Eccleston news here in which he's spoken about um, the 50th anniversary. Now, this actual quote is a couple of years old, but for some reason it's doing the rounds again um, thanks to a We Got This Covered article. Good old We Got This Covered. Back again. Um, At a convention, Chris was asked about why he didn't appear in the 50th. And I I tell you what, Harry, because it's been a while, how about we get you to read the quote from Christopher Eccleston, because we haven't had your knife-dots-of-voice in a little while.
0: Are you sending me the link?
1: I'm going to send you the link. So Harry now has the link. Um, Harry, take it away. For the last time, probably for quite a while, I think.
0: Do you want any context leading into the uh, quote? Do you want to provide that?
1: Uh, Well, he was asked at a convention about the possibility of him doing the 60th, sorry, not the 60th, the 50th and why he wasn't involved. Um, I, I can't remember the quote too well, but I'm sure after you've read it, we can speak about it a bit more.
0: Here it is. I felt that it was basically myself, Matt and Dave, riffing off the fact that we used to be doctors. I personally didn't feel like the narrative was strong enough. Cut. So I looked at it and thought, this was really...
1: what It's not quite knife-doctory that? enough. That's slightly Norman. But knife Doctor it needs to be a bit deeper.
0: Okay, fine, I'll do the full thing. <laughs> I felt that basically myself, Matt and Dave, riffing off the fact that we used to be the doctors. I personally didn't feel like the narrative was strong enough. So I looked at it and I thought this was really the own. This is re This really is. This really the way I want to come back and decided it wasn't. There were other factors, political factors. Is that it? Yeah, that's the whole quote. All right. Why is that circulating? Was that not info we were already aware of? Um.
1: Yeah. Well, it came
0: out. Of... Some
1: scissors just fell from the sky. And almost impaled me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it came out a while ago, that quote, but um, for some reason it's doing the rounds again online. So I thought it might be worth talking about because what stands out to me in there is he says, is this how I want to really come back? Which implies that if it is a good enough story, then that possibility would be quite open. I saw an interview recently with Moffat as well which he said that he felt like Chris was getting quite close to saying yes when it came to the 50th. So makes me think, it makes me wish harder that when it comes to the 60th, if we do get an actual one-off anniversary special, that uh, we might get some Eccleston. The thing I can't but wonder, though, is
0: whilst it's not, my favourite episode or by any means I'd say that Day the Doctor generally is considered a pretty strong episode of Doctor Who um, Is, that, is that so a lot that of that not to the inclusion
1: enough, of John Hare which obviously wouldn't have been there before if Eccleston was involved
0: If anything I think the story would have been stronger had it been the Ninth Doctor and not the War Doctor
1: Okay, why is that?
0: Well, I think, like, kind of... Because I imagine, like, the plot would have... Just because we would have had that connection to that Doctor, and I'm assuming it would have then been the ninth Doctor being the one who had the, the responsibility of destroying Gallifrey.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although I believe that when the show was revived, the idea was it was McGann's Doctor who did it. But anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm not... I honestly, can't remember... Which way it does get confused, but yeah, I possibly agree with you there. That would have been a more interesting concept, having actually seen what tips him over the edge.
0: Yeah, and I just feel like I know that the, the weight of it is something that kind of the Ninth Doctor. Then obviously he carries but disguises um, in a way that perhaps um, Tennant and Smith don't do after him. So I just feel like it would have been interesting to get that kind of insight into his Doctor's growth personally.
1: Yeah, I suppose you're right there, that's quite a good point never really thought of it like that um, Doctor Who Time Fracture, that's still going on in London and um, it has added a new Doctor Who cast member with Alex Kingston returning as River Song um, to you know provide little cameo video clips throughout the uh, Operation Time Fracture um, I'm just looking to see here if I have a quote from Alex Kingston but I don't seem to, here we go uh, the experience isn't just for hardcore Doctor Who fans, as writers and... Oh, no, I've lost it. Uh, do, 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 do. No, I don't have a quote from Kingston about her involvement in this, I don't think. But, um, yeah, what do you think, then, to Alex Kingston joining Doctor Who Time Fracture a little while after it's already been open?
0: That's interesting. So was Kingston's cameo kind of filmed and added after it was already opened? Yes, that's interesting because my understanding was that Time Fracture was going to be a temporary kind of exhibition which was open in London. But if they're updating it and adding stuff, that suggests it's more of a walk-through London attraction, similar to something like, say, Shrek's Adventure, um, the London Dungeon or Magic <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, Shrek's Adventure is like you know you can get tickets to like Madame to Swords and Shrek's Adventure if you feel so inclined. Um, my maybe the maybe the London Dungeon and Madame to Swords are, are more appropriate examples here.
1: Yeah, okay. But
0: is that the idea? Is Time Fracture going to be kind of this ongoing, permanently, like changing, updating exhibit? It's got that possibility, hasn't
1: it? But I suppose it relies on the show being popular for the the attraction to be popular. I feel like they did the Shrek Shrek movies and they will always be popular. They've sort of gained a new life, a new sort of... Our generation, especially, that sort of new meme culture that's sort of come around with those films. Whereas Doctor Who can't really rely on that, I don't feel. It has to rely on... But Doctor Who also
0: has... I so Doctor Who also has almost 40 years of legacy that Shrek's adventure does not have. Um, so I, I feel like I'm inclined to say personally that um, Doctor Who has already proven it has the legacy and the longevity to justify having some kind of permanent attraction in London. Although that does also bring into question, we know that the uh, that London theme park is happening, and there's supposedly going to be has it been confirmed that London theme park, or is it just outside of London? But isn't that theme park meant to have a Doctor Who ride of its own?
1: Yeah, we've spoken about this in the th- before, haven't we? There is a video on there if people want to check that out. Definitely recommend it. Good plug. Um, but yeah, the, I think we had there was talk of a Doctor Who themed ride. Um, I think maybe that would be along the lines of perhaps something. Simpsons ride-esque, you sit within something and you are transported around on a on a on a cart sort of thing.
0: Okay, so you reckon that if it's different enough, then there could be enough reason for that ride at a theme theme park and time fracture to coexist?
1: Yeah, I mean we've got Avengers Campus and that bit of Universal Studios that's got the superheroes in. Both of those exist.
0: Yeah. I guess I forget about that. So wait, do you? And it's a complete detour, but I, I do have on the side. I find the whole theme park industry somewhat bizarre and curious. Do they? Do both Disney and Universal have rights to Marvel characters in their parks now? I thought like only one company at a time could have rights.
1: I honestly don't know because I I didn't think of. Uh, Universal own the distribu I think it's distribution rights is a lot of it. So Universal owned the distribution rights to the Hulk, um, but Avengers Campus those are the movie characters. Whereas I think the one at Universal Studios are the comic book characters. If you go to Avengers Campus, you hear Tom Holland's voice and RDJ impersonator, and it's Chris Evans. It's meant to be Chris Evans Captain America, and it's the Falcon as Cap. You know the costumes represent what you see in the movies. Yeah. Whereas when you get to whatever it is at Universal Studios, they are much more comic book esque. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So
0: perhaps
1: I've got around. But going back to Alex Kingston in Time Fracture, my interesting point that I thought was do you think they maybe approached Kingston to do this before, but she was hesitant? But now that she's seen how popular it has become, she has warmed to it?
0: Perhaps, yeah, because it seemed well, maybe that's just a thing of like when they'd gotten every doctor in some form, as well as other cameos. Maybe it's a thing like as the names they got on board escalated, that meant that other actors were more willing. It kind of reminds me of um do you remember when James Corden did that um really good comic relief skit where he had all the celebrities um who like arguing about who got to do the charity segment in Africa.
1: Yeah, that one funny thing James Gordon did once. Yeah, I remember that, yeah.
0: Which part? Gavin Stacey's great. But anyway, anyway, um, I'm going to stick to my point. I'm going to ignore that bait, Tim. Um, <laughs> the way that he got so many big names was that the first name he got was the biggest name, Paul McCartney. Yeah. And then to everyone else said, "Oh well, I've got Paul McCartney on board," and so everyone else is like, well, if, "If if it's good enough for Paul McCartney, then who am I to turn it down?"
1: Yeah, that's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, it's like when we get guests on the yeah. podcast. Like I've tried to shy away from too many guests recently, but like when we get celebrity guests, um, when you email agents and stuff, you tend to say, "We have such and such who wrote this," and you've worked they've worked before, so they get it on. So if it's good enough for such and such, then surely it's good enough for uh, da, da 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 Do you know what I mean?
0: It's all networking. It's all it is networking. all networking.
1: Agents, respond to my emails, please. Be much appreciated. Dot um, 2 Series, well, is it Series 13? I don't think it is. Um, there's um, a BBC Wales Cardiff casting call going around for, let me see if I can find it so I can read it exactly as it was broadcast. This is from Very reliable source on Twitter, Doctor Who Production News. Highly recommend people follow them. Their tweet says the BBC's there's BBC production looking for Chinese and Southeastern Asian men to play pirates in Cardiff on July the 1st, the 5th, and the 6th. Um, and obviously, the suggestion is that this could be involved in the what is could be the 2022 Doctor Who special starring Jodie Whittaker. This is a long shot, I know, but it's fun to speculate. Um, last time we had so, a pirate episode, the idea is it would be was,
0: purely uh, piece with pirates. Is that what the speculation is? What is that? Sorry, the, the the speculation is that one of these stories would involve pirates.
1: Perhaps yes.
0: The spe- okay. And last okay. time we got
1: a Doctor Who pirate themed episode was I think it was called Curse of the Black Spot or something like that. And that was a Matt Smith one. Yeah, movie. I remember that. But Pirates are an interesting concept anyway. Go, Harry.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. That, that was Series 6. And yeah, you know, Pirates, I mean, I'm not going to say the Pirates have like gone out of fashion, but there was definitely a period when Pirates were in fashion. I'd say the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise very much brought made Pirates cool again, um, which I guess is why they... Um, did it in Doctor Who then. Um, interesting, interesting. I mean, you know, I'm down for, you know, movie pirates. Can you hear that? Hear what?
1: There's some music playing in the background. No, I can't hear it. Someone's literally outside my Is flat with like a, like a 90s boombox.
0: Just some music? Music.
1: If you can't hear it, it's all good. Um, yeah, so I think that's an interesting idea as well. I think it's strange that they've never really done something like this in Doctor Who before, as long as it's not just all confined to a boat. Because I feel Doctor Who yeah. really struggles when its locations are restricted to one set. Because if you, the set's not interesting, then I'm bored. And I've seen pirates... The thing is, I'm inclined...
0: I'm inclined to believe that if they were doing a pirate story, they would want it on a pirate ship. And if it was a pirate ship, I imagine they'd put all their budget into making out the best pirate ship they could, which would then mean they would be restricted to just the one location of the pirate ship.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's good, like in Hook or something like that, fine, I'm happy with that. But if it's just going to be but boring, we'll have like ship? a
0: Spielberg movie budget.
1: I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, make good television. Don't be cheap about it. Um, but yeah, that should be fun. Maybe not a good idea to do with one of Jody's last specials, just kind of as, as an isolated story. If it sort of feels like that might not be part. Well, of
0: that. one of the last specials wasn't Well, one of the last specials was an isolated story where he's on a bus in the middle of a desert.
1: Yeah, you're right there, aren't you?
0: <laughs> and also, Waters of Mars. Waters of Mars was on a base in Mars. Yeah,
1: I'll oh, shut up. Um, one last piece of fun news here, Harry. Um, you like Peter Capaldi, don't you?
0: Yeah, Peter Capaldi, he's cool.
1: Well, apparently, um, the 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 police in York in 1975 weren't a big fan of him.
0: Really? Why well, did the police in New York in 1975? The star they of they the
1: sick of it him? and I'll Doctor Who um, recounted an incident in a and a with The Guardian. When asked what his closest brush with the law was, he said, in 1970... in uh, 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 I won't do a Scottish accent. In 1975 in York... In 1975, Clara. In 1975 in York, I must have been 17. There was a bomb explosion. It was 3 a.m. I was with some pals and we were picked up by the police who, hearing our Scottish accents, seemed to connect us with the explosion. He added... We were taken in for questioning, which was scary, but it didn't take them long to suss out that these youngsters were incapable of a bomb plot. So there you go, there's a time where Peter Capaldi was once a suspect in a bombing situation.
0: Oh, crikey. That's actually a pretty wild story. It's a
1: cool anecdote, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I mean, I hope everyone was okay at the time. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe. I don't know. I've never heard about it, but we live you know, locally, our local town where we locally live, not too far away from it. I mean, you went to the University of York.
0: Yeah, no, I went to York St. John. They're difference. the same thing. No, they're not. They're different institutions. Yeah, yeah. But, um, they are, they're different campuses. <laughs> Uni of York's a Russell group. Ooh. So, anyway, I'm all out of only you what I
1: didn't go to. I didn't go to the Russell Group. Look at him trying to pretend he's like one of us, common folk.
0: I am, I am a commoner. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, that's it. I've got no more news. Um, <laughs> Harry, before I hand it over to you to take us into the watch along. Um, series four will be coming literally shortly after. We've got a fun week of videos with our series three ranking. Um, voyage of the dams on the way as well lots of cool stuff Um tune in for our start of series 4 because we've got some news about the future of the podcast Um and some stuff that's coming up in the future and some other exciting things that we're all going to reveal to you next week Um and then again in 6 weeks time because we forgot so um I will hand you over to the fabulous Mr Murdoch, enjoy the conclusion of Doctor Who series 3 and um over to you, Harold.
0: Well I mean, no one's really noticed this because obviously this isn't film, but I've probably been distracting Tim quite a bit um messing around with this pencil. Have yes, I said. You have the whole freaking episode.
1: Harry's had a pencil in his I, hand.
0: I mean it could be well, you know, I I, I could have rap been, you know, wrapping it against my uh you know, my desk like a drum, couldn't I? But I feel like it would have been quite distracting for you to be listening to some kind of makeshift sound of the drums. I'm sorry, Tim.
1: What about the last of the Timeless? I'm sorry.
0: You know what I like about the Russell T Davies era of Doctor Who? It is that the Doctor is the last of the timers. Shut up, shut up, shut it pop up. Detect You are not subscribed.
1: The Daleks order you to subscribe. Resistance is futile. Failure to subscribe will lead to extermination. Seek. Locate. Subscribe. What's the point in
0: having
1: you all? Oh, Harry. We've come a long way. Since Smith and Jones Martha might have shot someone in the bones and now the doctor's old and Jack is back and the master is played by a man with a ball sack. Hello everybody welcome to the watch Along segment of Bigger on the Inside. Uh, we're doing the sound of drum oh no, no, no we're not, uh, well we are but I'll save that bit for Harry. Hi Harry, how are you doing?
0: Um did you rehearse that? Or? That was
1: completely improv. It may sound rehearsed, promised. That I, was
0: completely improv. I'd have never, I'd have never known.
1: <laughs> I like to feel if it was rehearsed, it would have had a, a more dignified ending. Um, what episodes are we doing now, Harry?
0: We're doing the sound of the drums and the last of the time lords, both by Russell T Davis. Mm-hmm.
1: The series finale, is series three, so far. Uh, well, so far, this is the end, I guess. I felt series three has learned by like a parrot on ecstasy would you
0: agree yeah it very much felt like a series of two halves which i mean maybe it's just because it was kind of split like that kind of like the first half up to lazarus experiment and then the second half 42 onwards mm. there was kind of that because when they originally aired there was that gap but i don't know it very much felt i could feel those kind of two halves and they both felt very different um, yeah
1: yeah um, it'll be interesting when we get to the series, is the, se- the seasons that are split in two how yeah, um, so- how they feel,
0: yeah. So, like series six, because kind of when we get later on, like Moffat, especially, really very much kind of structures the episodes and the storytelling of the whole series in a way that plays into and acknowledges that gap, doesn't
1: yeah. They? Yeah, so that'll be good fun. So let's start with The Sound of Drums. Um, The episode really starts, um, it doesn't start where you would think. It doesn't pick up straight away from um, Utopia. It may be about half an hour or so later after the events of Utopia. We do get flashbacks to that, but there's a lot of setting up in this start of familiarising audiences who might not be familiar with the master, who the master is. Um, I didn't have a problem with that because obviously... It's understandable but I did feel a lot of it was like oh well I'm a time lord as well and he's a time lord that's it because there was sort of that thing where it's how do you how how will you know what he looks like he's like oh I just will I'm a time lord And I felt like maybe that was slightly at the start I sort of thought maybe slightly laziness but then what the rest of the episode does give and what the following episode gives as well is more um it makes up for that
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't really feel that at all. Maybe it's because it was consistently kind of cutting back to what the master himself was doing so much that I didn't really feel any kind of slowdown personally. I felt like even if there was kind of an expository scene, we're always going to cut to whatever crazy thing Mr. Saxon's doing.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, so... Throughout the series, we've had the vote Saxon references drop now and again, and it's finally revealed that he was running for prime minister. Now, my question is why prime minister, not president?
0: Um, because he sounds British, but couldn't he be <laughs> born in America? I mean, he's not real. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I mean, okay, uh, did you want me to try and justify this with um. Do you want me to try and justify this with in-world logic, or like? I mean, the real reason is because
1: logic? it's a British show, and uh, then for yeah. as the President would we'll be somewhat um, pulled away from that. So you, they have him as the uh, as the Prime Minister of Great Britain. <laughs> what the heck was that? Um, instead of having him as the President of the United States.
0: I mean, by the way, I think like the main reason the, uh, to do it was so he could reference Little Britain. Britain,
1: Britain, Britain. <laughs>
0: Britain, Britain, Britain. Yeah, He knew very... exactly I... what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing.
1: That was deliberate, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You cheeky boy, Russell.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about John Sim, because these two episodes are very John Sim heavy. We're going to talk about them one at a time, so we'll start with Sandra and so we will get to Last of the but we might reference both, but John Sim is a complete nutter, isn't he? That version of The Master is a very loose canon. Um like we said last week he's straight out of his regeneration really so he's sort of when you when you get a new doctor they're either very sleepy or very hyper and this version of the master we've got is just that toned up to a million he's the most hyper thing you've ever seen um i think that's great i think that really works
0: yeah i really enjoy it. i really enjoy kind of how within kind of this story the master is this just almost overwhelming chaotic force mm. where he comes along, and he completely fucks shit up in the most probably the largest scale that we've seen in Yuhu so far.
1: Yeah. I really that that scene in the Downing Street briefing office is great where he puts the gas mask on and everybody else gets gas. And what I just what I really like is a little touch is that's the same room that they used in um aliens of london world and war III. world war three it's the same yeah. location so they they've kept it within the universe i'm not sure if they still use the same exterior building for most recent dalek uh, specials but um i like stuff like that because yeah. it makes it more real within the show rather than going oh this is just a different building or whatever
0: I enjoy yeah i enjoyed that continuity like i especially enjoy the continuity that they kind of acknowledge that he we have now this kind of canonical lineage of doctor who prime ministers where we had whoever it was that was killed in um um World aliens World three london. aliens of london then harriet jones yeah and then we had harriet jones and then we find out that he is the Harold Saxon
1: is the first prime minister after Harriet Jones. Yeah, I think it was Tony Blair. Which like, I can only no assume of t- that it was Tony Blair in World War Three. I think I remember on Confidential them saying or in or in the uh, commentary saying, "I can't believe we got away with that." Or it might have actually been in a podcast with Russell actually where he said that. Top to so was very political. I mean, they killed the pre- they killed the prime minister like so many
0: times. <laughs> So, in the canon of Doctor Who, in 2006, Tony Blair was killed by Slovene. And and then
1: replaced by um, man from Shaun of the Dead.
0: Wait a minute. um, Okay, I'm going to try and do some... Does it specify whether or not uh, Harriet Jones belongs to the same party as the Prime Minister in aliens of london
1: um i don't know i don't think they do i don't think they do why are you trying to see if it's similar uh, enough to real life i'm trying
0: to figure out what part no no, i'm just trying to figure out which political parties harriet jones and harold saxon uh belong to if such a thing is possible
1: harriet jones and harold saxon must be the same political party because harriet jones does it seem like so. she ex- ran out of time being Prime Minister? It seems like she did something and then there was a, a vote of no confidence and then they she was removed because they say the downfall of Harriet Jones, which makes me think, what does she do? Which hopefully will become clear in future seasons. I mean, it could
0: have been she had a just... It could be she had a really poor election campaign. <gasps> okay. I mean, I know it would never be something that anyone except me would buy, but imagine, like, a political... Drama within the world of Doctor Who about the election campaign of Saxon versus Jones.
1: <laughs> that would be great. Big finish. That's it.
0: <laughs> Big finish. I want. I want that. I unironically really want that. I That'd want. That would be
1: these... good. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I like it if she would work. She could work out who he was or something like that. Would be good. Um, That's exactly what
0: would happen. That is exactly what would happen.
1: Yeah. In the actual show, Martha apparently has only been gone for four days Um, was what was revealed. Is it four days since Lazarus' experiment or four days since Smith and Jones?
0: I'm inclined to say since Lazarus' experiment. We never got any... Though that being said, there was never any kind of significant time jump. Wasn't... Didn't Smith and Jones and... Were they, like, basically the same day or something? There's hardly a between Smith and Jones,
1: Shakespeare, her and Gridlock, I think, are all in the same day.
0: Yeah. And then she kind of comes back that same evening, which I guess that means that the Doctor has gone a lot better at picking exact spots um, <laughs> Yeah. Than his previous incarnation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um We'll jump around the episode a little bit, but one thing I really want to talk about is a character I think it's often forgotten about, Lucy Saxon, um, the, Harold Saxon's wife. Um, I think she's a really, really good character in these couple of episodes, and um, played brilliantly as well, and is sort of like, you can tell that there is a moral compass inside of her, but the... Howard Saxon has bent that somewhat, so she can see straight, but she almost refuses to um, accept what is happening is wrong, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, she's an intriguing one because she doesn't really do or say much throughout the episodes until really the very end. She's much more of kind of like an observer, a listener. Yeah. And you, you, there's a lot... Of, there are still a lot of times where they kind of make a pointed thing of having a shot of her and her reacting or not reacting to what's going on mm. it's kind that, of left you to read into that
1: yeah there's that really good sequence where the reporter comes in to do a piece on lucy but actually confronts her and says your husband isn't who he says he is and she already knows that that would be interesting i'd quite like to know how those two met that's never really explained how lucy mm. and the master met that'd be interesting but um there's a really good there's a really good shot where she's talking and she says like for better for worse i've said i'm gonna respect him and all that and then the camera just moves slightly and he's stood there and i think i know a lot of people have taken issue with johnson's master in these episodes of being too goofy too silly but despite that, in my opinion, working very well because he's a young version of this incarnation of the Master, so he's going to be somewhat childish. And he is like a teenager who's got ultimate power, he's running the world, what would you do? Um, He's also very menacing at times.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love his givenness because he is doing kind of these devastating, world-changing acts, and the fact that kind of he treats it with such kind of a blase attitude and undercuts it in that way kind of I I really like it. I like the, that counterbalance and how it kind of just puts you completely off. Like, you you can't... You don't really know where you stand when you're watching those scenes. You're always a bit off-kilter, a bit on edge.
1: Yeah, because they go from that, like a, a serious scene where the Toclafane kill this poor reporter lady, and then seconds later where you can hear her screaming and he's opening the door and he's closing it and the screams are cut between him and opening and closing the door and he's doing all those funny faces... And it made me realize that we've spoken about it in the past when we did. I think it was when we did series two, episode one. I want to say a new Earth, and we spoke about how camp new Doctor Earth, yeah. Who had a history of being a very camp program, and then was it? And but is it still camp now? But then watching this episode, especially with John Simmers' master, it so is, and it it works really well.
0: Mm.
1: And then absolutely, absolutely, sorry, yeah. Um, I think that slapstickness does work because in previous episodes we've spoken about how great David's comedic performance is and he doesn't get that many comedic moments in these two episodes, but that's counterbalanced by John Sims' massive comedicness that he brings to that role of the master, and it's sort of you couldn't have them both being quirky because that would sort of make you maybe dislike yeah. them both or not see which the di- what difference was between the two of them.
0: And I feel like it just it wouldn't make sense for Tennant's Doctor to adopt that attitude with the Master. Because yeah. his Doctor is still very much processing and getting over kind of the end of Galfrey and being the last of Time Lords. So that's something which for his Doctor is comparatively very, very recent. And yeah. so he does kind of treat the fact that the Master is here and he's another Time Lord and the implications of that and what he's doing, he does take it with a degree of seriousness that he kind of needs to. It would be out of character for him to suddenly adopt a more blasé, fun, adventurous attitude that he normally does.
1: Yeah. When you watched this, how familiar was you with the character of the Master, having this be his uh, first re- new new-who appearance?
0: I had no idea who the Master was until I saw this episode as a kid.
1: Oh, wow, well, Really? Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. I, I have, yeah, this was my first introduction to the master. Yeah, I think I knew. I think I'd done my research before I watched it, and I'd watch, read lots of stuff on YouTube and Wikipedia and stuff like that. So when it when it was like the master's back, I was like, oh, great, amazing! And I think a close group of friends of mine knew who the master was as well. So That was all very exciting, but the Master isn't the only real villain in the episode. The Toclophane are also there—these little um, spherical balls of metal that whiz around and speak with a strangely childlike voice. Um, what do you think to their inclusion in the episode? I feel it's when they first appeared. I was like, "Oh, it's a bit strange not ha- having the Master as the main villain, but then having like these sub sort of creatures that are doing actual all the dirty work." It sort of took away from the Master a bit. I felt, but then I was sort of like, "I oh, know that works." It's sort of how I would expect it's very classic who to have like the master but then also have an actual subplot that the master is just sort of using but it isn't the main plot of the episode if you see what I mean
0: I mean I think like that the master has always done that hasn't he? he's always been just kind of a bit of a puppet master he's kind of in the similar way to how the doctor isn't super powerful um, but always uses his intellect kind of uh, and cunning to kind of stop bad guys and save the day. The Master very much, he by himself isn't particularly strong or powerful, but it's through his kind of manipulation and use of other beings that he's able to have these big schemes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's a standout sequence in this episode, I feel, and that is when Martha returns back to her flat with Jack and the Doctor and they um, look on the back of the TV screen and they see that it's bombed. And they go on this big car, um, sort of getaway scene, and there's all these like, cool explosions going on, and it's a very sort of fun, um, manic few five minutes in the episode. I don't know if you noticed it. Did you see uh, um, what was written on the back of Martha's television?
0: I missed that, what was it? So- there
1: is a metal plaque on the back that reads Magpie, which is a throwback to um, The Idiot's Lantern, with Magpie being the guy who owned the television shop.
0: Oh, I did not see that at all. That is a very fun, that's a very fun little
1: addition. Yeah, There's there's a line in that where the Doctor tells Martha not to fern her family, and Martha says, I'll do what I like. And we've spoken about it in the last couple of episodes, how Martha at the start of this series was deeply in love with the Doctor, but is now somewhat becoming somewhat frustrated by him, and sort of, she still respects him and worships him, but she's coming to the end of her rag with him, which we sort of discover more in the next episode towards the end. But what did you think of that sequence then, where there's this whole getaway sequence of Martha's flats blowing up and Jack and the Doctor are on the run?
0: Yeah, the whole, the whole thing you kind of said just then about kind of Martha and her family, it kind of brings me back to kind of the stuff we were saying earlier on in the series, where my favourite things about Martha's character... Have always been the things that they've done to distinguish her from Rose. Mm. And that for me is like a really strong one of them. Like I feel like whenever there's been any kind of big world threat in modern day back in series one or two, I feel like Rose's family and loved ones is always kind of the last thing on her mind. She was always yeah. very present. And then with the doctrine thing, and whereas with Martha, her family is the first thing that comes to her mind. It's kind of interesting that contrast and kind of what those characters' values are Mm. and where their hearts really are at.
1: I would have... I know series one and two, we had great admiration for the characters of Jackie and Mickey. We really liked those characters and we liked how they were sort of... You wanted to be Rose and you wanted to see the episode through Rose, but you actually saw the episode through Jackie, someone who was left on Earth hearing about these adventures every now and again. And I wish that we could have had more of a backstory or more of Martha's family, because I would have liked to explore them more. But then you run the risk of treading the ground that you did in Series 2 and 1 with Rose um, in yeah, regards absolutely. to Mickey and Jackie.
0: Mm, totally, 100%. Um,
1: what did you think of the sequence where the Doctor and Martha speak on the phone? There's a really good moment where um, the Doctor picks up the phone from Martha and it cuts to John Sim and the look on his face of just like, oh brilliant, I've got him.
0: Yeah. I love the way that kind of they shot that as well. Like clearly, like those are two different locations they were shooting at. But it was still um shot that the master was look- It was on the uh uh, right side of the frame looking to the left, and the doctor was on the left side of the frame looking to the right. Yeah. So it we was shot in a way that when it cut between them, it was like they were talking to each other. I thought that was, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's like basic filmmaking 101, <laughs> but it was just cool.
1: What I really like about that sequence, as well as a little behind the scene thing, is that despite them being filmed on separate days, David and John are actually on the other end of that phone. So when David's on the phone, he's actually speaking to John. and When John's on the phone, he's actually speaking to David.
0: That's cool. That's something they didn't have to do at all, but yeah. really they did because it does feed into the performance. So I was yeah. kind of thinking, like, considering these guys don't have anyone. I didn't think I was assuming they didn't, assuming they didn't have anyone on the other side of the phone, mm. and so it was just them kind of having to act those lines. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's great that they went the extra mile to get that those performances.
1: Yeah. Um, I liked little details in this that I'd forgotten about, which is like when, the, when they are on that phone, the Master mentions how he came back and how he was resurrected. He was chosen to be resurrected by the Time Lords. They could have picked anybody and they picked the Master to bring back. I think it's little things like that that just sort of feed into the, to the hi- fictional history of these two characters in the show. And I think it works really well because it sort of... It, it opens the door more to Classic Who, but also it doesn't uh, rely on everybody knowing everything.
0: Yeah, like for me, as someone who hasn't, who's barely scratched the surface of Classic Who, kind of listening to that conversation, I honestly don't know what within that kind of world building was stuff that was already established in the old series and what was stuff that was Russell filling in the gaps. Yeah. And I feel like, I'm guessing there was probably a mixture of both. And I think that's just kind of an credit to kind of like it's just effective world building and it all yeah. feels very right to the world of the show that they've established. Because very often yeah. you get certain you get certain properties where like you get added world building and you do kind of raise your eyebrows and like that doesn't feel like it quite fits with what we know and understand within the context of this. Yeah. But that absolutely one hundred percent felt authentic to the world we've been immersed in.
1: One thing that has Family immersed, immersed itself within uh, the RTD, RTD era of Doctor two and made um, a reappearance in The Sound of Drums, one of my favourite characters, which is Chips. Um, Martha goes out and buys the Doctor and Jack a bag of chips, and it seems that whenever we need a, a nice little serious moment in Doctor Two, our Jackie, Mickey, Rose, Martha, the Doctor, or Jack, usually munching away on a big bag of chips. Um, did you did you see that and go, Oh the chips are back again?
0: It's just it's nice, isn't it? It's just a nice little kind of I feel like chips are such a quintessentially just lovely British thing, aren't they? Yeah.
1: You yeah, know, yeah. there's
0: nothing quite like be having just a nice warm bag of chips yeah. to comfort you. It's um, homely. It's homely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that why I want chips.
1: It's also in the sequence that Jack announces are uh, sort of Informs the Doctor that he's been working for Torchwood and how it's sort of rebranded, which sort of links way. its way into very well for when we do our Torchwood watch along, and just one big video about Torchwood Series One, and we'll pick a few favourite episodes and we'll go through those. But um, there's a there's a throwaway line in that sequence which uh, where the Master is explaining to Martha, uh, sorry, the Doctor is explaining to Martha who the Master is, and Martha asks, "Oh, I thought you might have been evil brothers." Um, which is a nice little homage to uh, the TV movie in which I can't remember if they explicitly... I can't remember if they said that they were brothers or half-brothers, or if um, I believe that was going to be a series arc that was going to be picked up later on if if it went in series. Can you remember from when we did our movie review if it was actually mentioned within the movie?
0: I don't remember any explicit mention of it, no. They mentioned the half-human thing a lot, but I don't remember anything about... Because No, I don't remember.
1: Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I was also I also liked it when Jack is asked to hand over his TARDIS key and he just takes it off a chain of other keys, like his house key, his bike lock, his back door, and he's just like rattling through. them. He just takes off this one key to a spaceship. Even though he has such admiration for the doctor and loves that loves that adventure. The key to his spaceship is just on his on the rest of his car keys.
0: It is funny, kind of like the normality that kind of companions get to with the TARDIS, and it's just like it is. It is basically a glorified car slash house, isn't it? It's a, it's a camper van. It's a interdimensional camper van. That's what the TARDIS is. (laughs) Um, Only with less beds. That
1: sequence holds a lot. That bit where the Doctor's talking about the Master, and one part that stood out for me is when the Doctor says. It's when he puts the uh, uh, TARDIS key around his neck and he says, "It's like when someone fans. It's like when some- when you fancy someone and they don't know you exist, which is obviously very on the nose for his relationship with uh, Martha." Um, and Jack says, oh, "You as well," hinting at that, that Jack also fancies the Doctor. But it also really reminded me of what we've seen recently with Jack and Yaz. Um, Mm. that sort of dynamic seemingly reflecting itself again. And I hope that when Doctor Who does return with Series 13, that they build on that more than what we've seen with Marvel. I hope it's not sort of a rehash of Yaz seeing the Doctor and the Doctor not accepting it or whatever. I hope they can sort of find a new way to look at that without upsetting people from both sides. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, it's something that kind of, It kind of depends how far they push it, because in series 12, 11, uh, was it Revelation of the Daleks, the most recent story?
1: Could have been. Someone will tell us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think it was. Um, They've not been as explicit as they have been in these uh, Russell series about exactly the nature of the relationship. It's not been explicitly said that Yaz fancies the Doctor because we we know she feels a very strong attachment to her, but they've not explicitly said, you know, this is a crush or something more. And I, kind of, I hope that in series thirteen, that's something which is clarified.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you I notice? Mean, I think I, we got I, our first swear of new Who. Did you pick up
0: pick up on that as well? I think people have been. Saying, Saying like bloody hell the
1: whole time. I'm talking
0: when,
1: like what I'm the hell, bloody hell's a swear word really is it? The president of the United States calls them um, the master and ass. He says, uh, "Is the,
0: that?" He, I'm so you're saying that hell and ass is more of a swear word than hell.
1: Well, ass is an American version of ass, really, isn't it? And I would say I would therefore. Yeah,
0: argue- but ass. Do you think ass and hell are pretty much equal? footing when it comes to swear words I'd i would say
1: rather that. say bloody hell in front of my grandma than say ass
0: but, but i feel like ass and hell are like you know pretty much i feel like to me those are like you know pg-12a swear words you know yeah. like they're, they're they're one below like crap crap i'd say is like a swear word swear word
1: yeah all right well i can't wait till uh so Rory drops the C-bomb in Series 6. That was an amazing episode. <laughs> he just loses it with the Doctor, just drops it. It's amazing. Um, in that same sequence, the, um, the Doctor, Jack, and Martha are stood there with their, their perception filters on for Natalia's key. And, uh, there's a scene where the Master turns and he knows the Doctor's there, but he can't see him. But you can sense him, and there's a moment where this Harold Saxon act disappears, and you can sense there is an underlining worry currency sort of throughout these two episodes where even though he's the master, he's a loose cannon and it looks like he's going to win for a lot of this. Um, there's still a bit of, ah oh, shit, this I'm dealing with the doctor and this doesn't normally end well.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting because yeah, for the vast majority of these two stories, the master, all the power is in his hands. He always has the upper hand. And yet despite that, you do that. get that sense from him where he's like, I feel like he's going to fuck things up. I yeah, he's going to do something. I don't know what. And he's got that just bit of an edge to him, which plays into kind of everything with like him hearing the drums and all of that. Yeah. He is just a little unhinged. He's never completely complacent and at ease. It doesn't
1: stop him offering um, people jelly babies.
0: Yeah, yeah. the lot of Tom Bakerisms, aren't there, in this one? There are, there are. Um, Why do you think they've chosen to kind of do little Tom Baker references with the master specifically?
1: I don't know. I feel like the Jelly Babies thing, that was probably written in to the scripts, But then I also imagine the Britain, Britain, Brit that might have just been improv on the day, perhaps. Or maybe that was maybe just a complete coincidence. But I also like to think that it was deliberate. If we ever get Russell...
0: I, in, I do thing. not... I have no doubt that was a very purposeful reference to Little Britain. <laughs> um,
1: the Master, he has his laser screwdriver. Maybe a slight obvious... You know, if you're looking at the opposites of these two characters, the opposite of Sonic, to be a laser screwdriver. It's going be a bit on the nose, but it's fun and it has a different noise and they establish that it is a deadly weapon compared to the Doctor's which Just, you know... We'll open a door for you and do this and do that. This one will just disintegrate someone. Whereas if I imagine a doctor pointed this sonic at someone, it wouldn't blast them into an oblivion.
0: Yeah. Did they ever make like a plastic toy of the laser screwdriver?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never got one, though.
0: No, no. But I guess, you know, kids want to be the doctor, don't they?
1: Yeah, the laser screwdriver. Let me have a look. The laser screwdriver toy. What comes up? There's just a load of reviews. I don't think anybody's selling them anymore. Should I have a quick look on Shopping? shopping. Shopping. £75. There you go. If you want a brand new, if you want a vintage one still in its box, £75 there, Harry. Uh,
0: I think I'm good.
1: <laughs> um, these two episodes as well, they really reward people for watching the whole series with Throwbacks to Vote Saxon and especially the Lazarus Experiment, which even when we watched it, I've forgotten that it was later called upon in these final episodes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What do you feel then to the sort of connective sort of? It's sort of the first time, really. Like yeah. you got it a little bit in series one and two, but this is the sort of the first series where the whole thing is the first
0: to- one. where kind of like yeah there's certainly the first one kind of like seeds were planted that then kind of pay off in a significant, meaningful storytelling way. Yeah. Like kind of the Bad Wolf stuff and the Torchwood stuff was, uh, it's not that that wasn't meaningful, but it's kind of like those were just kind of, that was just simple foreshadowing. Whereas here is literal kind of things happened earlier that have now, but now have significance and are having an actual impact in this story. Yeah. That's cool. That's always cool. It's so, it, it's neat to have that kind of long-form storytelling, yeah.
1: Yeah. Before we move on to The Last of the Time Lords, um, what do you think to old David Tennant with his old man makeup in his wheelchair? It's
0: actually, there's been a lot of old man makeup in this series, hasn't there?
1: There has. There was old man old lo- Mark Gatiss, two old David Tennants, three old David Tennants, because we had an old David Tennant in uh, Family of Blood in a little... What could yeah. have been, um, yeah, there is a lot of old man makeup. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder why. I wonder why we get two old man tenants we get the human nature one and we get this version, but they both look different. Maybe it would have been cool if we got to see them looking the same.
0: Well, I guess the reason is that it's meant to have he's bit this old doctor is meant to have been aged by a hundred years, is it? So he'd be about, yeah. about 130. Yeah. Which I guess is not something that a human would would be able to live to. You won't. So he has to look (laughs) notably. 130. What do you think you can outlive? What, you think you can outlive me? Yeah. That that challenge?
1: No, I couldn't outlive you. (laughs) I will probably. I'll I'll forget to like turn the gas off or something one day. Um, Harry, talking of death, let's move on to something I know makes you no end want to think about the subsequent, the endless um, result of life, which is death. Let's do the quiz. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps.
0: I suck at the quizzes, but it doesn't make me <laughs> contemplate my immortality.
1: Three questions for the sound of drums. Are you ready?
0: Yes. What I is think...
1: Martha's dad's name?
0: Colin. Clive. I got the C. <laughs>
1: What is the name of the reporter who interviews Lucy Saxon? (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Vivian Rook uh, uh, is the answer.
0: Thank thank you, thank you. Now,
1: there are three options for this final question. If oh, yeah, you agree? Can name you all free, I will be slack. impressed. But I want to know who are the celebrities endorsing people to vote Saxon? There's three oh. options. If you can aim all three, I'll be surprised, but you will get a point for each one. So far, you're on zero points. I remember there was,
0: there was Sharon Osbourne. There was, um, is it one Anne Whitacomb? Two points. Position, Anne Who's the third one? Who's the third one? I feel like it was like a, some kind of like sort of. Was it Robbie Williams? It was McFly. It was Robbie Williams, was it? Oh, yeah, I knew it was something like that. I knew it was a musician.
1: Two, you got two points there. That's not too bad. Shall we move on to Last of the Time Lords, Harry?
0: All right, absolutely.
1: So it's set one year later. What did you think of the very, very final episode of Doctor Who Series
0: 3? interesting thing is, these last three episodes, Utopia, Sound Drums, Last of the Time Lords, in my mind, I remembered kind of it's starting off really good and then the story's getting progressively weaker as they went on. But honestly, there wasn't that much of a shift in quality. It kind of maintained that high quality yeah. from Utopia through to this. I Maybe there was a slight, a very, a very, very slight kind of decrease, but nothing notable. Like I, hmm. nothing. Like if I was ra- ranking out of ten, it would I'd go a point down by any Yes. Case. So yeah. the
1: episode the episode starts with Martha. She's been traveling the world, and she returns to uh, the United Kingdom, where she meets Lucifer, aka Tom Ellis, who plays Tom Milligan, um, a former doctor who is helping Martha to um, spread the message of the Doctor and to. Get one of the final components in the weapon she's creating to shoot the master dead. That we know of. Um, that's a fun dynamic. I wish they had kept <laughs> when um, the, he sort of has a. He appears at the start of the episode at the very end, and I wish that when Martha had come back for David Tennant's last episode and she was with Mickey, I wish that it would have been with Tom Ellis' character, of Tom Milligan, because I feel that would have created a more um, interesting pathway for Martha when she was off screen. I feel like going with Mickey, and this is nothing to do with recent things with Noel Clark. this is just... Um, I feel that's a very obvious choice, is to put her with Mickey, whereas to put her with an actual doctor who she did sort of have a crush on would have been a more interesting take on that.
0: Well, for me, like you say, it was an obvious choice. But honestly, it wasn't because I don't actually remember, even if before... I know this is jumping way to End of Time Part 2, but I don't even remember the characters Martha and Mickey sharing any scenes together before that scene.
1: (laughs) Okay, maybe it's not obvious, but if you're keeping that sort of friends aspect of it where people are friends and then they become such good friends, they start having sex with each other... That they then put Martha and Mickey together. Is, as the is that what and happens
0: artists. with you? And all, is that what happens with you and all your friends, Tim?
1: When I say friends, I'm, I'm implying the television program Friends.
0: Oh, the, I've, what you're talking about? <laughs> just, you, know, you know, you know how people are with their friends having sex with each other all the time. What are you talking about? In like a, a general sense of friends? I was like, I, I'm not having sex with any of my friends, Tim. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, did you think it was like a sly dig at one of my friends who's been screwing another one of my friends?
0: I, don't, I thought you were like... I don't know. I th- for a moment, I thought you'd adopted this weird worldview that like people who could, can't stay friends without having sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you were doing a whole when Harry met Sally thing. Like, I, did... <laughs> um,
1: I think this, ep- that, this episode does pick up on an interesting track with... Tom Ellis and that sort of, um, what's her name, Professor Doherty sort of going on that adventure that we had wasn't explored in the last episode, but we're very quickly caught back up to date with everything that's going on.
0: Sorry, can you say that again?
1: Uh, Yeah, sorry. Um, I was saying that it's interesting that that aspect of what Martha's been doing for the last year wasn't something that was ever touched upon in the last episode, but this week, in this week's episode, um, where you're very quickly caught up to speed with what she's been doing, why she's going to meet um, Tom Milligan and Professor Doherty, these two characters we've never heard of and we'll never see ever again, but why she's there, I think we're caught up very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It fills in very much, very quickly on kind of all the crazy shit that Martha's been up to. Mm. All this death-defying adventures, going to countries where no one's ever survived and such. Um, it, it's weird. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the one thing in this episode that I find hard to adjust to upon like the entry of it. Yeah. Kind of. There's, there's a year's worth of absurd stuff we have to catch up on. And I just, I wish there'd been a way to show some of it, but I guess that's kind of, we're getting to a, that would be going to a point where showing Martha on a trying adventure would be pushing the budget that the BBC has for the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Professor Doherty, she's very clearly an evil character, or someone who has ulterior motives from the second we meet her. I sort of met her and I was like oh, I think, I couldn't remember if she did sort of blag Martha up to the Master, but when she's sort of first introduced, I'm like, uh, something isn't quite right with her. I feel like it was maybe a slight obvious choice. There could have been more fun ways for the Master to find out that Martha was on Earth, but I suppose that even though this has an extended episode length, I think this episode is about 50, 55 minutes, they still have a lot to get into this crescendo episode. Yeah, yeah,
0: they really fit a lot. I mean, this is like, the largest scale finale we've had so far, isn't it? Because if yeah, you yeah. count Utopia, it's, it's a three-part story with an extended final part. Sorry, yeah, yeah they, no, you they, are right. I was, trying, I was
1: just trying to think. Series one finale, you have, there's a fairly big finale, but it's only two episodes. And even when and even when you consider the cast, this is a big cast. Maybe not the biggest ensemble cast, but there's a lot of stars. There's David Tennant, John Sim, John Barrowman, Freema at the time, who was relatively unknown, but what she's going to become is massive. And there's, there is a lot of names. Tom Ellis as well, who becomes massive. This series in general has had a lot of people in it who have gone, gone on to become massive. Andrew Garfield. Yeah,
0: and
1: uh, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan as well,
0: yeah. Oscar-nominated Carrie
1: Mulligan. Um, Do you on, think, uh... like, was this... Was
0: this...
1: Did
0: this... Series three, was this like I remember if I'm wrong, is this the series where kind of like ratings in the UK peaked for the show?
1: Ratings in the UK peak in Voyager of the Dam, which we'll talk about when we get to that episode. Oh uh, uh, okay. We'll
0: have
1: to wait and see.
0: Um But we're coming on... to that crescendo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um back on Is it the
0: Valiard, that big ship? Is that what they call it? The big um, um... The big the Avengers helicarrier that's not as expensive, looking as the Avengers Carrier. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, back on there, we're reintroduced to the Master. It's a year later, and he's dancing around to the Scissor Sisters, as if things couldn't be any more. I can't decide. Yeah, um, I, I love the fact that he just comes in and everybody's waiting for him. He's not. This isn't the first time he's done it. He's probably does this every day. He's like, oh, it's time for my dance. I'm going to go in and do my dance, and I'm going to probably does the exact same thing. Rings the bell, throws a tea over his shoulder whizzes the Doctor around in his little wheelchair. Because when he comes in, the Doctor's living in a little hut, isn't he, with a straw bed in He's living in a little teepee thing. And he gets out and he sits in the wheelchair and he waits for the Master to push him round. So this isn't the first time he's done this. He must have been doing this nearly every day for the last year.
0: It's funny just how done the Doctor looks with it.
1: Yeah. One of the notes I've got here is I've put... This is the, one of the first times where I sort of look at the Doctor and I sort of think, oh, he's really given up. He doesn't know.
0: Yeah, well, oh, there's okay. nothing like... he? He's kind of put all his... He's put all his chips on Martha to go and do this thing. And all yeah. he oh, can do it at this point is just wait.
1: Yeah. Um. One note I've got here is the Master's costume. Now, the Doctor has a very distinguished costume, and in the past, so has the Master, especially with the TV movie. But John Simms's costume is just that black suit, really. Um, mm. Obviously, that changes when we see him next to them, when we see him again with Capaldi. But would you have liked to have seen him in a in a in a costume that was more mastery rather than just a black suit?
0: Yeah, that was something that was I wanted to bring up with you uh, in this because in the first part. Uh, in Sound of the Drums, I 100% get it because, you know, he's meant to be the prime minister and the prime minister of this country is always expected to wear something quite formal, quite standard. Um, if you think of, you know, any of our past prime ministers, they never dress in anything particularly excessive or noteworthy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it would have been cool if in this episode he perhaps had a bit of a costume change, even if it'd be just like an added accessory or a suit with a different pattern. For him to do something that really embraces his masteriness would have been fun to see.
1: Yeah, because you look at Sasha and what Michelle Gomez have done as well with their costume, and it's very distinguished, whereas this is just like a a black suit. Yeah, perhaps in this episode it should have maybe changed up, even if it was just like... Even if it was just a bit looser, maybe if he didn't have his shirt tucked in and it was tucked out, maybe he wore his tie untied or something like that. Maybe the same costume would have been fine, but maybe to just sort of I
0: remember change it up. There was a scene between him and the president, the outside scene, before he got in the helicarrier in uh, Sound of the Drums, where he's wearing this overcoat that kind of it has a very... Uh, uh, kind of red lining on the Very inside. Capaldi
1: as well. Capaldi's first series as well.
0: Yeah. It would have been cool if maybe, maybe if he'd like ditched the jacket and worn like that, and then it would have had that whole, you know, the, so many doctors like to have like a billowing coat thing that can wrap yeah. around when they run. It would have yeah. been fun to see him kind of like throwing that around in those dancing scenes like a kind of cape.
1: <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah. Um, and know what I've got here is, uh, and people who follow me on Instagram, at TimDoesFilms, may have seen that. I left this comment on one of Russell T Davies' posts. And it was the idea that, uh, how well do you think this would have worked if those two actors swapped roles? David as the master and John as the doctor.
0: It's a hard one to call because they would not, if they'd swapped roles they would not be playing the same performances. They'd be giving completely different performances. Like John, I can see playing something quite grounded and quite intense, but weirdly more intense as the doctor. Mm. Um, And David, I can imagine really going loose as the master. I mean, you can imagine given the permission to be as eccentric and flamboyant and As you said, camp as John Simms acts in these stories. That's true. You can imagine David really going to town on that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Talking of the Tenth Doctor and everything, he's a very Tenth Doctor light sort of two episodes, really. It's very Martha centric. But the Tenth Doctor goes through a lot of shit and he gets turned into the smallest, tiniest man in history. And to say this is a TV a TV show and won't have the biggest budget that's a really good effect
0: yeah yeah kind of like, comparable to the thing that sprung to my mind was Dobby and Chamber of Secrets I felt yeah. very much kind of that cal- I can't remember what year did Chamber of Secrets come out?
1: I have no idea I've never seen a single um, that's Harry Potter isn't it Dobby
0: yeah it's Harry Potter
1: I've seen yeah. two Harry Potter films which ones? The first one and the one where the bridge twists.
0: Oh, that's the that's the one I've not seen. I think it's the fifth one.
1: Yeah, it could be.
0: <laughs> this is... Oh, no, I, 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 I should have brought Harry Potter. I'm drying up. I've not read those books <laughs> for ten years.
1: To say that it's a tiny little old man and it has zero resemblance to David Tennant, it still looks like David Tennant.
0: Well, I... Like, I'm sure they must have, like, modelled the eyes, at least. Well, yeah, and there's really, something in the facial structure. You don't look at it it's go, definitely...
1: You don't look at it and go, hey, that's David Tennant. But you, but w- w- once you know the transformation, you go, oh, it's kind of creepy.
0: Yeah, I feel like that general kind of skull shape and, like, eyes and everything, I, those must have been... They used to must have used David as the reference for those. Yeah. What did Weirdly, you- I actually... Go on, it's fine. And this is something very rare, but in a weird way, I found it easier to buy into the effect of the CG super old triple David Tennant than the 100 year old David Tennant with the makeup. Yeah. I think the reason for that is that to age up David, they had to add stuff to his face. And yeah. so, like, he, his kind of face mass is kind of larger than it would be which isn't really what happens to a face whereas for the really older one it becomes much smaller and more kind of shriveled and tighter compared to how David is usually and I guess just because of that and that scaling I found that weirdly more convincing and also I guess I can suspend whereas a hundred years older I can kind of find it easier to grasp what someone who's 130 might look like. I yeah. have no idea what someone would look like at the age of, like, 900. Yeah, So that, it's much yeah. easier to suspend my disbelief for that. Yeah. Could you suspend your disbelief when the dots started flying? Um, I d- I've got to be honest, I don't 100% understand how that works. Like, Martha got everyone to think of the Doctor because of the whole Archangel thing. Satellite network yeah. that somehow revived the doctor. C- can you explain to me the exactly like the sci fi explanation for that? I didn't quite catch the sci fi jargon that I explained how it works. I generally
1: don't think there is a. Uh, I tried to understand it because the doctor says that for the last year he's been tuning in to the Archangel Network. I don't know how he's done that, but he's done it. And because everybody has an Archangel Network phone, that when they all think the same thing, does that then transport through the Archangel network and into the Doctor and brings him back to life? Because people are wishing and hoping for him to come back. So that kind of brings him back. But it, I, I, when I watched it just half an hour ago, I didn't understand it. And I've tried to understand it. But it doesn't in any way I feel take away from the episode or it doesn't ruin the episode. And I know some people don't particularly like these episodes because they're not a big fan of the betrayal, that John Sims goes of the master and they don't like this ending. But I think just embrace Doctor Who and it doesn't always have to make sense. As long as it follows its own personal canon, that's fine. Um, you don't want to make people watch them, not reward them or... Do a, you know, when this sort of a jump the shark thing, but I think it's fine. It's not really something that I've ever really thought about. It's just not two, isn't it? And it's one of those things where maybe Russell did ride it into a corner too much, but if you don't do that, then it's not that interesting because you can predict what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like for a series finale, especially, you kind of. Me personally, when it comes to these series finales, I'm much less interested in some kind of clever, plotty, twisty, turny thing. Yeah. I'm very happy to accept something that's kind of big, almost borderline blockbustery, which is what Russell's series finales have been. You know, yeah. series one was this big standoff against a, a Dalek Armada, series two was Daleks and Cybermen all having a huge war on in Canary Wharf, and this is the master taking over the world and turning it into, like, a basically a military f- thing to fight the universe, and then people praying for the Doctor stopping that. I yeah. feel like you can kind of afford to, in these series finales, do something that's a bit more big, a bit more emotive, a bit less kind of intricately plotty.
1: Uh, it's more a character point, isn't it? It's more developing the characters and showing you yeah. the, how the characters have grown, especially with Martha and Martha's family as well, as we'll get to in a second, rather than an actual story point, which works for Doctor Who. I can understand yeah. why that doesn't work for everything.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It kind of takes It's taking the story to this big emotional climax yeah, and bring these characters to an emotional climax. I would also argue
1: that that isn't the climax of the episode. The climax of the episode, I would say, is what happens next. Mm, with yeah. Martha's mum, who... I feel if I was to go back and watch this, I would really watch her character development. A little we see of her and how at first, when we first meet her, she's divorced from her husband. Her husband's now got this young, attractive girlfriend. And then when we next see her, the two of them are meeting and she doesn't like Martha going off with this doctor. And she's confronted about the doctor by what we now know is to be one of Harold Saxon's um, goons. And then when we see her dropping little hints throughout the series and then when we see her in these final ones and she holds the gun and she wants to kill the master but she is better than that and the way the Doctor there's a, re, a really good a shot that I love which is that she's hated the Doctor more than Jackie hated the Doctor and she never really sort of with Jackie she came to an understanding that what the Doctor was doing for Rose was good um Martha's mother, Francine, I think she never gets that she never understands why Martha went with the doctor, but there's a scene where he takes the gun off her and she just tears and starts gives him a hug and starts crying and I feel that works really well because it sort of shows that everything that has happened in these last two episodes, everybody is just in tatters and has gone to shit, and they don't care what their previous opinions on stuff was they all agree that the master's a, a, a knob and they, they will just be there for each other, which contrasts with Lucy Saxon, who, um, like I mentioned before, has had her moral compass knocked so that when she's given the chance... So it's, it's knocked, it's not straight, but in that last sequence, I feel like she's more annoyed that she's let herself be mm. dragged along and sort of brainwashed by the master and her revenge on that is to just kill him.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so about Martha's mother, what he did, I feel like, like you said, she has nowhere near the amount of kind of screen time that uh, Jackie is given. And yet despite that, I've kind of almost taken it for granted how with all these small snippets that we've had throughout the series, we do have a fully formed arc for her. In yeah. This series yeah and that is very impressive yeah Yeah.
1: what did you think to Lucy Saxon at the end and we'll get onto the ring as well that she takes um, but in regards was to... that her
0: hand taking a ring
1: yeah 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 um, but in regards I to um, I think it was anyway in regards to her shooting the master how did you feel about that
0: it it made sense without them having to explain it yeah it's really, like I said, like, and her, and her actor's performance, kind of, there's so much that is kind of not said, and yet you can, but un- that you're drawn to Like you said, it's, it's probably a very slept on um, part of this story that kind of, like, despite her doing and saying very little, when it comes to that act at the end, it does not feel out of their field. Like, yeah. as soon as she does it, it's like... Yeah, I get
1: why you did that. Yeah, definitely. And this then leads into um, a really amazing performance from David where he's holding on to the master who is refusing to regenerate. And when I was younger, I was probably watching it going, oh, well, he's sad because his friends turned evil and he's dead. But the truth is, I feel that the reason he's actually sad is because they were just the only two. Time was left. The master did win in the end, really. He says it. He says, I've won because, despite not winning at his actual plan and Martha not killing Martha and not being able to torture everybody, he knows that what would upset the doctor most is leaving him, is giving him the hope that he wasn't going to be the only one left and then purposefully not regenerating. So, purposefully killing himself so that the doctor's on his own.
0: That's always been a really interesting thing about the Master that very often a lot of what he does does feel like it's a very pers- it is often a very personal attack on the Doctor and attempt to mess with the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. I feel like another thing kind of playing into kind of what you was saying about the Doctor's reaction to his death is that despite everything, despite how manic and unhinged um, the Master is in so many ways, he's kind of the one person that the doctor can connect with the most. Is the only person who's grown up in the same place that he has. The only person who has a comparable level of intellect, and that intellect is used in the wrong ways.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah. Like, no, I, sorry, go on.
0: No, I was, I was pretty much done.
1: Uh, I've got a few more points to go through, but before I get there, I just want to read out. Um... I'm just logging on to Instagram. It's been very slow. Um, on Instagram, at Bigger on the Pod. Is it at Bigger on the Pod? Um, yeah. We'll be doing this all for Series 4 as well, so get over there. But I do ask you your thoughts on episodes. I'll just read the one out today from Sapphi's 24 who said about these two episodes, my favourite series ending and possibly my favourite story arc of all time in Doctor Who. Um, one thing that I have noticed from our feedback from listeners and followers on Instagram is that the people are really enjoying a lot of these episodes. There's maybe been one or two where people haven't been totally on board, but they've still enjoyed them.
0: Mm, yeah, I feel like that kind of speaks to kind of the standard that the show has reached at this point. Yeah. Where it's reached really such a standard that even, um, even episodes which aren't quite the quality you might expect, they're still policy television. I mean, yeah. That's
1: something we've said before. Yeah, we'll be able to talk on that more as well when we get to our Series 3 ranking, which will be coming out very yes. shortly. So if you, if you listen to this on release week, um, keep an eye out on the YouTube channel because there's a good chance that within the week um, we'll be doing our Series 3 ranking as well, as well as some other things coming out as well. But the, let's talk about the ending of this episode. Uh, one of my favourite Doctor Who reveals ever Going back to the connecting the whole series together, connecting three seasons together, really, the re- uh, revelation that Captain Jack Harkness is actually the face of Bo. Yeah, that's great. That's it's so a cool
0: awesome. way. Yeah,
1: and I feel David and Freema's reaction is exactly how everybody sat at home in two thousand and seven was when they heard that said as well. Yeah, it
0: makes so much sense. It uh well it, it it doesn't make sense. it's Can out of left field? But it does just explain things. And I always I always wonder. And this is like something where kind of you know dream story where we were able to talk to Russell. It's something I would want to ask him of like back in series one when he introduced those characters. Did he have that connection in mind, or is it something that you just kind of found? Yeah, working through it. And as the especially with the face of Bo, because the face of Bo in series one is basically a glorified prop
1: yeah he is yeah I think that's what we've said every time when we've seen him so it's like just this really expensive prop they made that they've gone. we've really got to get our money's worth out of this
0: yeah and then like he has like that int- the intriguing cameo in new worth and then in uh gridlocked he suddenly has this incredible kind of really standout moment, kind of the standout moment of the episode is kind of this scenes with him yeah and i yeah
1: cool beans um let's talk about the ending of the episode where the doctor and martha say their goodbye i found that to be more emotional than when the doctor says goodbye to rose because i felt that you you really watched series one like i just said through jackie you watched series two through martha you wear Martha on this adventure because you had already pre-established yourself with this Doctor. You loved David Tennant as a Doctor. Martha loved the Doctor. And you were watching it through her eyes because you wanted it to be Martha. You wanted it to go on these adventures. So that when she says goodbye to him at the end and she doesn't leave because she's scared or she's tired or she's had enough. She leaves because it, she doesn't want to... It's better for her mental health to leave because she can't carry on knowing that the doctor knows full well that she fancies him because she, when she talks, when she comes back in and she says that thing about her friends at student accommodation and how one of them fancied another one and all this. And the doctor just looks at his feet because he knows that she's talking about him and he knows that he hasn't yeah. tripped Martha that well. He's given her all the same experiences that he gave Rose, but. When it comes to more than just friendship and that intimate relationship, he didn't, and on purpose as well. I feel he didn't give it to Martha. I don't feel he was as oblivious as he actually played up to be. I feel that he was so hurt from losing Rose that he refused to indulge himself.
0: Although well, even I feel like even if it wasn't for us, I just I'm not convinced that sort of relationship in the way that Martha wanted would have ever been something that could have developed yeah i don't know i feel like kind of the kind of we've, we've seen the tenth doctor get romantic in so many ways and we will see him get romantic in ways following this story i mean in the episode immediately following this is a bit of a romantic thing and if it just seems you know, the the way that he connects with people in that way just feels so differently to the way that Martha seems to connect with people in that way. Yeah. So I feel like even if the Rose, Rose wasn't a factor, I feel like they just would have never been compatible.
1: Yeah, the perhaps you're right,
0: Martha yeah. Them to be.
1: yeah. I,
0: feel like, I feel like I'm being very vague in this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to talk about romance. What, what do I look like? Do I She's look not like uh, That's what you're saying. No, I'm just saying I'm not Richard. No, what's his name? Richard Curtis, the one con man.
1: Yeah, Richard Curtis. Yeah.
0: I I know how to talk about romance. <laughs> um. So let's talk about this sort of. I'm a nerd who Watches wind Doctor wind
1: Who episode now. Is that Martha leaves? She closes the door, and what you see on screen is. He flicks a few buttons and whack the TARDIS. The TARDIS smashes into the front of the Titanic, even smashes into the front of uh, the TARDIS. And the Titanic's nose, the bow of the ship, even comes peeking through and he picks up a, a life ring and it says Titanic. And we get a what, what, what. That's what you see in this episode. Now, what we are also treated to, which I'm very excited, which we will watch and we will talk about because I guess it is canon. Is time crash the it children is need um Peter Davidson return of Doctor to Doctor Who alongside David Tennant? Um, even though it's not, i um, that's what that's what will be next, and we will do Voyage of the Dam. but time crash will come before we post that. So, there might be a week actually. Um, I do need to double check the scheduling because it's all scheduled out, but there may be a week where you actually get the series three ranking and time crash in the same week, and then the week following, you get Voyage of the Dam. But um, this was it. This was Series 3. How do you feel in limited sentences, to not spoil what we're going to talk about in our Series 3 recap and our Series 3 ranking where we rank every episode of Series 3, did this... Go, Harry.
0: (laughs) Oof. Yeah.
1: In one sentence?
0: There's... That was
1: my sentence. Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) There was no oof, Um. yeah.
1: All right, okay, okay. I think if I had to summarise it in a sentence, I would say Dot 2 Series 3 was brilliant, but it wasn't what I was expecting from what I remembered.
0: I would say, okay, I'll say this. Um, I'll say that, um... Series three for me felt closer to series one in t- than series two in terms of the general storytelling quality. Yeah. That series two was very consistent in the quality of its stories, uh, with some note with a couple of notable highs and a couple of more notable notes. I feel like series three is a series of. Generally speaking, higher highs and lower lows, much in the sense that Series 1 was.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, oh, one thing I want to say if we before we go on to Series 4 and everything that's coming up is ready for the quiz part two. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. Three <laughs> uh, questions, as always. Um, there's a moment in the episode where um, the, the, all, the Doctor and everybody try and take down the Master, and the Doctor holds up the laser screwdriver. And There's an announcement that goes around the ship. It is uh, a condition followed by a code name. Condition something. What is it?
0: Critical?
1: Red. Um, Who does Doctor I think it was Montgomery, wasn't it? What was her name? Doctor Summit? What was it that old woman's name? Who turned out? to doctor be doctor
0: or a b- professor?
1: Professor Doherty, that was it, Doctor Montgomery. That's professor Doherty, what TV show does she claim hasn't been the same since Des took over?
0: Countdown.
1: Yes, correct. Extra point. Who's Des?
0: Is is that a count? Is that not a Countdown host?
1: Yeah. What's his full name?
0: I, I don't watch Countdown. Tim. There's O'Connor. Uh, um, I, only wa- uh, I only watched an eight out of ten cuts. Does Countdown?
1: <laughs> what is Martha's friend who she mentions at the end of the episodes? She and says it's a bit like my friend Blank at university.
0: say Trish but I don't feel like it
1: is Trish Trish is her sister's name the name you were looking for was Vicky ah bloody hell well
0: at least
1: there was a Trish somewhere there was a Trish there you go there's your one point there Harry congratulations um that's been Doctor Who series 3 couple more episodes to go before we go into series 4 um which I'm very much looking forward to but Harry as is always tradition now when we finish an episode what do you want to recommend? Before I go, I just want to tell you, you were fantastic.
0: I'm going to be a bit of an unconventional one. I'm going to play into our series. Are you okay, Tim?
1: I'm trying to think of something to recommend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ooh, ooh. The this old is rare, bro, I
1: haven't got anything. Yeah, Carry but on. I have
0: something. Um, this is something which, at the time of us recording, isn't on TV, but I know that by the time this comes out, it will be. Um... This week coming up is gonna be a new series of uh Bake Off the Professionals. Now I'm weird, I don't really watch normal bake off, but I love um junior bake off and I really love professional bake-off. Yeah. It's like a completely different studio, completely different hosts, completely different judges but it's so good like professional bakers make the most insane things i don't even know if it can be classed as baking it feels more like chemistry what they do i i adore the show yeah and it's it's even more intense than regular bake-off and without even watching a new series i know it's going to be a fantastic and a staple of my weekly television viewing
1: cool beans cool
0: Sorry. No. watch it I-
1: um, I tend to only watch the celebrity Bake Off. Really, I find that to be good. I find the rest of it a bit too serious and a bit too not really for me. But the celebrity one, I I like a lot. Um, something else I Apple enjoyed. A really lot. Fun. Yeah, something else I enjoyed a lot was the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is now available on Netflix. From the humans um, yeah, that I've brought you Spider Man into the Spider Verse and the Lego Movie, um, I just needed something to watch one day while mm-hmm. I was editing photos, and I bumped it on Netflix in the background. And uh, very quickly realised I wasn't doing my work and I was actually just watching this really good family animated film. It's very funny. The animation's great. The cast, apart from Olivia Colman, isn't particularly household names, so you're not distracted by voice performances or anything like that. Um, it's really great. Definitely go and check it out. Have you watched it?
0: I... No, I haven't. I've heard of things. I really like Spider-Verse. Is it yeah. a similar vibe to that or is it something? Okay.
1: Well, a little bit. In the, the, I don't know. The humour, maybe a little bit, but um, that's about it, really. Okay. Yeah.
0: Very so, I, Go on. Cool. Well, like watching the trailers, like I can see the appeal. I'm not sure if it's quite my kind of thing. Um, but maybe, maybe. I doubt yeah. Netflix like, in Birmingham, but I could find... I could get someone's password.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... One thing, uh, so before we go, before we finish Series 3, thank you for listening all the way to Series 3. If you're listening to this, you are an utter legend. Um, 15 nerd points. I know I, you might think I would give a few more, but I'm going to give 15 because I expect you to listen because this is top quality content. But... Um,
0: Wait, well, were we meant to be doing quality content this whole time? I get the memo. <laughs>
1: um so yeah coming up on the channel we have series four but before series four we have our um series three ranking where we rank every single episode we will be doing time crash and we will do voyage of the is it damned voyage of the damned yeah that's right yeah uh, we'll be doing that and there is a i want to say an interview coming up it might already be out so don't get your hopes up but it's with an amazing graphic designer from big finish so that was really good fun and um, there may be a few other little treats and snippets of stuff when things get announced. Um, Do you want to say anything, Harry, for people who have listened to us all the way through Series 3?
0: To the one person who's made it this far. I I don't know how you did it, but I know I wouldn't have done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Series 4, are coming. We'll have some... um, Exciting stuff. Catherine Tate obviously returning to Dot 2 and lots of other exciting things. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we can sort out some really fun, exciting interviews. It's that time of year again where I start contacting everybody's agents and harassing everybody who's ever worked on Dot 2 to try and get them to come join us. But I'm sure we'll be able to wrangle a few people to come and speak to you guys. Yeah, Um, we've
0: got 400 subscribers now.
1: 400 plus? Plus, that's only on YouTube. We've got the subscribers on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Pirate Radio stations. are the, the, the works.
0: Are pirate radio stations really broadcasting big on the inside?
1: It's all they do. I've heard we're very popular. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, guys. I will say goodbye. And, Harry, do you want to say anything at all?
0: Um,. No, no, I don't feel like saying anything this week.
1: All right, see you later. Bye, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.